Lord, again, I ask you to pour your spirit upon me so that the words that I speak, the thoughts that I harbor, have you endorsement, O Savior of ours. Amen. The present truth is extremely important. Uh, we as Adventists have been called to share the present truth in the final moments of Earth history. And it is this truth, not an ancient truth, not a future truth, but a present truth that is so important. And do we live the life in the shining light of Christ's righteousness revealed in the present truth? I want to focus this morning specifically on one of the most splendid revivals that ever happened in the Old Testament. It was at the, the sunset glory of ancient Israel, just before the Babylonian captivity and the punishment there, that here was a young child, Josiah. And we focus specifically on 2 Chronicles 34 and 35, if you have your Bibles, and let us study this amazing story that is frequently overlooked. And yet it is so relevant for us as remnant. Here it is, chapter 34 of 2 Chronicles. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And then a summary of his accomplishment. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father, David. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left, straight. You know, very interesting, because his father was really not David. His father was Amnon. But David was the glory, the example. And so therefore all the kings, when they walked in the ways of the Lord, at least they would walk in the ways of David. Now let us see here his background. If you go to the previous chapter, Chronicles chapter, 2 Chronicles chapter 33, we see here his father, now, he was a son of Hezekiah, another revivalist. But here is the son. Verse 2 of 33. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And he rebuilt the high places. And then in verse 6. He caused his sons to pass through the fire. He practiced soothsaying, witchcraft, sorcery. Incredible what a background he has. And then, verse 9. Manasseh seduced Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do what? More evil than all the other nations. Incredible. God's people with all the light. And that's what he did. And then he had a son, Ammon. That is verse 21. And he was 20 two years old, when he became king, and he reigned two years, only two years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And then 
He didn't humble like Manasseh did at the end of his life. But Ammon transgressed more and more. Now, what poor background you could have. Your whole environment was perverted. And yet, there were some of God-fearing people there that had an impact on Josiah. And so here, then, as a result of that influence, and, and the guy was only how old when he started? Eight years. Incredible. And then, he had a conversion experience. Actually, he, wanted to he had a conversion experience age, in the eighth year of his reign. That was at a time when he was 16 years old. He had a conversion experience. And then here in chapter 34, verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. And then, a few years after that, what happened then? He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. Incredible. He started there, and what happened then? It is marvelous that in a few years' time, there was a tremendous change here. 16 years, when he was 20 years, what did he do only after four years of meeting the Lord? There it says here, in verse 3, in the 12th year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the, all the idols, broke down the altars. He's, what did he do? He, 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 he didn't leave only pieces, but he pulverized everything and he spread it over what? Over the graves who had sacrificed to them. And then he started to dig in the ground to find the bones of the leaders who were leading out in this. And he completely destroyed them. And then he went over and over again through the country, not only there, but what does it say here? Because Judah is only Judah and Benjamin, a small part. No, he went beyond the borders. And so he did in the cities, verse 6, of Manasseh and Ephraim and all of the things. So he went through the former territories of the ten tribes. He went and went and went for how many years? I tell you, for again six years he traveled, digging up things and destroying. And after this purification process, I mean, that is really a reformation, right? A complete reformation. Then he returned to Jerusalem. Then in verse 8. And in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the temple, he called people together, and the house of the Lord needed to be repaired. And they started to work on it. And uh, he gave instruction in verse 10 to repair and restore it. And what did happen? Verse 14. They found what? The book of the law of the Lord that given to Moses. Now, what is the book of the law? You have to go into the most holy place. There you have the ark, the Ten Commandments. And it, didn't, it was not so that the people didn't know the Ten Commandments. But the book of the law, what was it? It was a document explaining how to apply the Ten Commandments. In every detail. In personal relationships, family relationships, employee 
employer relationships, all of this kingdom, all those things were specified. You know, you can, for example, compare it in a way with the remnant church. The remnant church, what does the remnant church have? They have the Ten Commandments, right? Satan is angry, not only because we have the Ten Commandments, because many churches proclaim we have the Ten Commandments. No, we have also an explanation of how to apply those Ten Commandments, and deeper insight, just like Jesus explained in the Sermon on the Mount, the little details. If you don't like a person, hey, you know, you really have already murdered him. If you look around and you see something attractive in the other sex, hey, adultery. And so here then, God's remnant church have not only the Ten Commandments, but the testimonies about the Ten Commandments. Have you ever thought about it? In great detail, how we live out, and we call it the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. So that is, you know, make it contemporary. So that was Josiah's experience. And maybe you can also see, are we in our own experience repeating the life of Josiah? That's a good question. And so here then you get a revival under Josiah. And what is it here? The discovery of the sacred inspired writings. And then the inspired counsels is being shared by the scribe to Josiah. And what now? The king's reaction in verse 18. And 19. Does it happen? When the king heard these words of the law, he tore his clothes. He didn't know those things. Oh yeah, the Ten Commandments he knew, but how to apply it. And then he looked around and he saw great apostasy wherever he went. And friends, the king's action. He called immediately for a covenant renewal. You find it in verse 20 to 20, 28. They find what the king did. He called everybody together. And he said, we have to do those things. And, uh, and then he continued. And, uh, and then not only that, but the covenant. He said, okay, let us go to the prophet. And let the prophet explain what those things meant. And the prophetess Hulda spoke. Yes, you have transgressed. But because you have humbled, in verse 27, your heart was tender and you humbled yourself. How tender is our heart. You know how you find this out? When you meet present truth. What are you going to do with this? Are you going to accept it? Think about it? Maybe put it on a shelf for some time? And forget about it. Think about it. What are we doing with the testimony of Jesus to his church? And you know, a result of that covenant renewal, and it, you know, he called the leaders. He called the people, and they all made a covenant with the Lord to be faithful to him in everything. And there is where you got a great revival. In fact, such a great revival that, uh, you know, this has not happened since the days of Samuel. An incredible revival. And then, 
If you turn to 2 Kings 23, an incredible statement do you find here. Uh, verse 25 here. Now, before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to the law of Moses, nor after him did any rise like him. You think? You get the message? This was the king per excellence. Nobody before and after. And no wonder that you get this tremendous revival and reformation. It's all the time together. You know, the song is Revivers Again. It's a wonderful song. But yet it has a sad connotation. Because we call and we sing, Revivers Again. Where are we now? You get the point? We are not revived. We should have here a musician that says, Lord, may we beam in the blessings of the revival that we possess. And then you don't really need to have a week of uh, spiritual revival. No, the next program is a revival to what? To the 10th power? Whatever. So a revival that gets more and more powerful. And people see that we are on fire for the Lord. Yes, friends. Let us now see here what is the relevance. What is the relevance here of this revival? And the pen of inspiration has given me, and I can talk about what I think. But it's always good to check with inspiration, you know. Are we in the right track? And so what do we see here? Insights from Josiah's experience. As one who was to occupy a position of trust, he received, he resolved to obey the instructions that had been given for the guidance of Israel's rulers. And his obedience made it possible for God to use him as what? A vessel unto honor. Now, what are our observations here? Think about it, you know. Apply it to your own life. Obedience made Josiah a vessel to honor. He used his position, no matter what you are, you know, whether you're called the president or a janitor or a staff or whatever you are. You have to realize that God called you that position. If not, find something else. David says, you know, I'd rather like to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than without Lord. And so, friends, here, whatever your position is, are you a vessel to honor? What does it mean? Not doing your own works. Not doing your thing, but doing God's thing. Unless we think we are so clever that we can supersede the Lord. No. Christ reveals the unsearchable riches of his glory. There it is. If you don't know what to do it, you're stuck in committees, whatever, you go on your knees and cry out. And you don't need to be quiet about it. You can cry, and then people, when they pass your office, say, well, what is the problem with this man? Hey, when you met next week, I cry out to the Lord. This is the thing what we have to do. We don't need to be bashful. We need to be bold in the Lord. When I work on those things, I have to cry out to the Lord. 
And sometimes I have to put things. Yesterday I had to put in a few things that I was not planning to. Absolutely not. And then this morning I said, you know, shall I do it? Shall I not do it? But, you know, I mean, I leave the result with the Lord. Insights from this revival when he searched the Lord. He used of his position to exalt God's truth. Josiah, from his earliest manhood, had endeavored to take advantage of his position as king to exalt the principles of God's holy law. Now you say, you know, I'm only staff. Only staff? What would the elected officials here in this building be without a staff? They were twiddling the thumbs, they would call out, call, call, come, and nobody does anything because there's no staff. You see how vital you are? Everybody here is vital in God's plan. And so that is what I have to do too, wherever I am. Do I use my position to please people or to please God? You see here, Joseph was concerned with God's glory. And then you look around you and deal with people. If you don't have the glory, your relationship with the people will not be successful. First God, as through God, we can have the compassion of Jesus. When he looked over the crowds, he was moved with what? Compassion. But it was because he had the relationship with the Father. Early in the morning, he got up in our home. My wife and I get early up, sometimes five, sometimes earlier, to seek the Lord, to plead with him. Because if you don't do it, things don't go well. But if we plead with the Lord, if we have a baptism of the Holy Spirit in the early hours, we walk away and with a song in our heart. And then people said, how are you doing? I don't say anywhere good or fine. No, I said, I am blessed. See the reaction, blessed? Yeah, blessed. You know? And this is something, wonderful, friends, that is a part of our being and makes every vocation, no matter what you do, a vocation of honor. Josiah was exposed to these truths for the first time. He was deeply stirred as he heard for the first time the exhortation, the warnings recorded in the ancient manuscripts. Now, what do we do? Are we stirred when we read in the spirit of prophecy all kind of counsel, how to apply things in our daily life? Are we stirred or are we getting uncomfortable? No, that is good, being uncomfortable, because then you know what to do. You go to Jesus instead of closing the books and running away. Yeah. No. And so here then, Josiah's reaction to the truth. His first reaction, overwhelmed with sorrow and dismay, he rent his garment and bowed before the Lord in agony of spirit, seeking pardon for the sins of an impenitent nation. You see how it works? He was torn not because so much of your own sin, because he was already in a spirit of revival and reformation, but he saw the apathy, the Laodicean nature around him. And he took the role of an intercessor. He pleaded for his people. Are we doing this? When we look around and we see the Laodicean nature, are we calling upon the Lord for forgiveness of their sin? No, 
our sin. Because we are a part of it. It's not there, there is the people, but here am I. No, I'm a part of it. And when I see around the deterioration of faith, I have to pray to the Lord to forgive us. Are you with me? Identifying with this. And what can I do about this to bring a revival or reformation? That is the key point. And so his reaction now to the truth, it is inward as well as outward. He rent his heart. He rent his heart as well as his garments for the what? Dishonor showed to the Lord God of heaven and earth. He realized what the outcome must be that God's displeasure would be upon the people. And so here, this is really, if we have really a revival in our heart, that is what we do. We identify with God's people and we cry out and we sorrow. And here, because he was guided by the Lord, he had the revival, then his discernment was marvelous. And here, you know, here is the scribe reading to Josiah, the book of the law. The king discerned in this volume a treasure of knowledge, a powerful ally in the work of reform, so much desire to see wrought in the land. So he had this desire, but now he had the support of the testimonies. He says, this is what the Lord has said, we will do it. I mean, we can learn from that experience. Instead of trembling and not doing anything, no, we inspired. He resolved to walk in the light of its counsels and also to do all in his power to acquaint his people with its teachings and to lead them, if possible, to cultivate the reverence and love for the laws of heaven. Marvelous what we see here, what takes place. So in other words, when we discover this, we have to share it. And you know, there is a kind of a mentality, okay, you know, that is good for me, but don't bother somebody else with this. Let people give the freedom. And yes, I believe in this, but at the same time, we ought to testify what the light of God did in our life. Why are we so healthy? Why are we so clear? Why are we so vibrant? Why are we so successful in certain areas? Because of the Lord. What the Lord has done. By following the counsels, we have an energy that's exuberant. And we continue to serve the Lord until the Lord says it is sufficient. And so now, after his repenting experience for himself and the people, the legacy and nature of the church at that time, what happened? He took action. Josiah took time to investigate the truth. You know, Josiah didn't say, hey, I knew nothing about this book. Those are the ancient precepts. Times have changed. Have you heard this? Oh, times have changed. That's 19th century, you know, primitive. But now, I mean, in, in our technological age, I mean, you know, we really have developed. I tell you. We have so many excuses today. But is that the excuse that God wants to hear? No. He appointed men to investigate the matter. And these men went to Huldah 
the prophetess. So what it is, if we discover something in the scriptures, in the spirit of prophecy, and we go and share it with others, share it with the leadership. What does the leadership have to do? Follow Josiah, you know. Get BRI involved. Report come back, go to the white estate. Is this really so, or is it a misinterpretation? Yeah. Not putting it away. And then whatever counsel it is, pray about it. Because we are all men and women. And we can fail in an interpretation. Is this so? And so, yes, the prophetess affirmed it. That is so. And so then he took action. He called to unite on the Reformation. Josiah proposed that those, the, that those in the highest authority unite solemnly and covenantly before the Lord to cooperate with one another in bringing about reformation. So here is the king, the president, and he calls them all together. We are going to focus on this. I don't know how to do it, but we look at it. And so they came to an agreement, yes, we will do it. And not only this. But then the next step is, Josiah now proposed that those in highest authority unite with the people. Unite with all the lay people. We are united to cooperate with one another in an effort to institute decided changes. We cannot just say, yes, you know, I know it for myself, you know. But no! Corporately, we have to act. We are not saved on an individual basis. Yes, we have to make a decision on an individual basis. But we need to keep the unity of the church, of God's people. Now, you may not get them all on board, but you need to take this action. And then, his involvement. Josiah let out. It was not, you know, one of the undersecretaries or whatever, the treasury, whatever. No, no. The president let out. And so earnestly did he feel that he himself read the law aloud. He was deeply affected and read it with pathos of a broken heart. He said, okay, if this is important, I will lead out. Leadership by example. That is what we need in this church, friends. Leadership by example. And then his hearers were greatly affected by the intensity of feeling expressed in his countenance. They were impressed by the fact that the king, notwithstanding his high official position, cast himself wholly on the Lord, trusting in the strength and wisdom of the king of kings, rather than in his human wisdom. Friends, it was not easy, but the king was moved. He had experienced it, and now everybody saw. That is what our leader experiences. What am I going to do about it? And they joined him and they supported him. And there was a reformation until the end of his life. How should we react to truth? To present truth. Truth that God has specially given us. And why has God given us truth? Because the tactics of Satan are so insidious, so powerful, that in our own strength and wisdom we would fail. Very clearly. And so we need to be reinforced, we need to read it, we need to pray about it. Josiah's Reformation, covenant for today. This is our work today, 
the spirit of prophecy mentioned. We must repent of the, e, the past evil in our doings and seek God with all our hearts. It's powerful. Now, this is what the prophet says. Our evil doings, and you know, I look at myself, you know, I'm not that evil, you know. Hey, listen, I mean, if I don't know what is evil, I need to study this. If I don't need to know, if I don't know what is sin, I need to study it. Because today there is a great ignorance of what is really sin. What we say in our church frequently is, oh, you know, that is, that is nice to do. But is it a matter of salvation? Think about it. As if, you know, those things you do because of salvation, those things, even if it is a counsel for the Lord, you don't need to do because it's not a matter of salvation. Now, that is crazy, I mean. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Everything that the Lord has revealed to us, we should accept. We should call upon the Lord to help us because we can't do it in ourselves. But the glory and the blessing will come. You believe that? And so here, we must, we must believe that God means just what he says and make no compromise with any ways. We should greatly humble ourselves before God and consider any loss preferable to the loss of his favor. Are we popular with God? Not with our fellow beings. Because our mission is bringing people to repentance and that is not an easy matter. It's a difficult matter. Failure to reform. The Reformation did, ma did materialize. Now remember, this statement before was made in what year? 1888. She calls for a revival of the principles of Jaya. And 15 years later, it did materialize. What happened? The Sanitarium and Publishing House Fire of 1902 destroyed much of the inward working of the church. And now to the General Conference in 1903, this was the testimony. Today, God is watching his people. We should seek for what? To find out what he means when he sweeps away our sanitarium and our publishing house. Let us not move along as if there was nothing wrong. Now you may say, why do I cite something a hundred years ago? Because most of us don't know. Most are not aware of it. But she says, God wants us to come to our senses. I mean, that's strong language. Come to your senses. He wants us to seek for the meaning of the calamities that have overtaken us. That we may not tread in the footsteps of Israel. Remember, the Lord could have come here before now. And still he has not. Have we accepted the counsel that the Lord has given for the final glorious revival? What might have been? Confession brings unity. Being quiet doesn't do anything. The Lord has shown me what might have been had the work been done that ought to have been done. In the night season, I was present, present in a meeting where brother was confessing to brother. Those present fell upon one another's necks and made heartbroken confessions. The spirit and power of God were revealed. No one seemed to be too proud to bow before God in humility and contrition. This might have been 
All this the Lord was waiting to do for his people. Friends, this would be the marvelous moment for me to call you to come forward and make confessions, do all kinds of things. But you know, there is a time to reflect, a time to prepare. And what the powers to be in this building decides in the near future, that is up to them. The Lord calls for such a revival as in the days of Josiah. It was not accomplished in 1888. Has it been accomplished now in our church? Friends, this is what the Lord is waiting for. He is waiting for us. And he wants us to prepare. And the leadership should lead out. Not only here in this auditorium. No, in every division, this call should be made. In every union. In every conference. In every church. How are we going to do it? May the Lord bless you and find the answer. Find the answer. God knows. God knows. But men and women need to be selected that go around the world to bring people to their senses. That's what God says. To the senses. And now, friends, is the time to reflect. What reservations do I have to accepting present truth? You know, Josiah, he was confronted and immediately he was stirred up. What happened to us? Oh, he said, oh, yeah. Is it really applicable to us? And you wait and nothing happened. No, friends, if God's spirit works within us, we are astir. You believe that? You believe that? I need more amen. <laughs> I mean, you know, don't be overwhelmed with what we share here. But it is sobering, isn't it? A sobering reality. And it stirred me. And it stirred me so much to share it with you. Today, with God's help, what commitment do I make to remove any obstacles to this? The Lord wants to say and say, praise the Lord. I'm sinful. Help me, Lord. And you will experience the power of God in your veins. You believe that? And so here, what prevents me from accepting God's counsel? Is there anything that prevents us? And how can God help me to remove it? And then finally, what steps can I make today to make a change in my life and study the light the Lord has given our church? Unless, friends, we make this a reality, you may be singing revives again and again and again, but you will remain basically on the same plane. Friends, if you die, whenever you die, if you die, I mean, yeah, 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 that's true. If the Lord comes, you don't die. But when you die and you look back at your life, what would the impact of your life have been made on the rest of the world, on your associates? Unless your life makes a difference in the life of others, you have wasted your time in our church. The Lord calls us, friends, and now let us just kneel where we are. For a number of minutes, let us reflect upon those resolutions. And friends, it is my prayer that the Lord wants you to make a decision. And don't wait for your wife or your husband to make a decision. You have to make it personally. May God help us and let us kneel at this time. And we will close with amazing grace.
At this time, let us stand. Again, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the moving of your spirit in our hearts. We realize more than ever that we are sinful. And the more we reflect upon your word, your inspired writings, we see our insignificance. But at the same time, we see your greatness. And therefore, we would say it is safe be in the arms of Jesus. And so, Father, give us strength for your spirit upon us and may we clearly see your salvation and experience it in our own lives. And now may the peace of Christ dwell with you today. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.